else. All right, anyway, all that stuff aside, let's get into the Word this morning. If you want to turn in your Bibles or open your app on your phone, or it's going to be on the screen anyway. Second uh, Samuel, we're going to go to the Old Testament, and uh, we're going to read chapter 5, and we're going to read uh, one of the many stories about King David. I'm not sure who King David is. He's a king, and his name's David, and he was appointed uh, by God to lead the people of Israel. Uh, king David was the greatest king, so much so that even though David's lineage, his line failed so much after him, God promised that despite whatever happens in David's line, that, da- that, that, that the Son of Man, that the, the Redeemer, that the Messiah would come through his line because of his heart that was expressed, because of his heart of gratitude and devotion to God. And, and David ruled, and it was a time of great peace, uh, Peace kind of in those days was not kind of the peace that we have right now. But in that time period when David was leading, it was a real peaceful time for the nation of Israel. Anyway, let's read this story. Verse 17 of 2 Samuel chapter 5. And it says this. When the Philistines, which is another nation, heard that David had been appointed king over Israel, they went up in full force to search for him. But David heard about it and went down to the stronghold. Now the Philistines had come and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. And so David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go and attack the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hands? And the Lord answered him, Go, for I will surely deliver the Philistines into your hands. So David went to Baal-perazim, and there he defeated them. He said, As waters break out, The Lord has broken out against my enemies before me, a kind of a statement of praise. So that place was called Baal Perezium, which basically means God breaking out and doing what only he can do. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you that it is there to equip us. We thank you that it's there to encourage us and to challenge us to become more and more like your son. And today, God, We're not just here to uh, do religious rituals. We're not just here to come to a service and leave and check out. Father, we're here to encounter you. Father, I pray that you would speak to us. Father, I pray that your word would go forth and, and, and enter our hearts. God, that we would hear not just from me this morning, but we would hear for ourselves from the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would come right now, fill this space, speak to us, show us areas that we need to work on, but also show us areas where, we, where we've made progress. Encourage us today, Holy Spirit. We thank you for all of this in your name. Amen. Well, um, as of Friday, we, we just myself and Esther, we just came back from holidays. We had an incredible time. We actually kept saying to ourselves, it's one of the best holidays that we've ever had. It was absolutely awesome. We had a couple of weeks off in Perth, and then we went down south to Bustleton, if you've ever stayed kind of on the Holy Mile or the Christian campsites down there in Bustleton, halfway between Bustleton and Dunsborough, amazing. You've got to go there. It's an incredible time. And uh, it was just such a great holiday. But not everything, uh, not everything went to plan, uh, as, as camping trips always uh, go about. Uh, uh, let's just say that the drive there and more specifically, the drive back didn't really uh, shape out how we wanted it to go with uh, two kids in the back seat. Uh, it wasn't smooth sailing. Uh, when we were driving down, uh, we kind of figured out that even though we did some repairs to our car, that our car was still overheating. 
And so on that day when it was kind of like 40 in Perth, we were driving down to Bustleton and our car was on red for like majority of the trip down. My in-laws are shaking their heads in shock right now. They can't believe that this had happened. <laughs> and, uh, but we made it. We made it. And so, look, we're here for 10 days. Let's, we're, we're, uh, we're, we're basically camping on the beach, so we didn't really worry about driving anywhere. We're like, we'll just, uh, we'll just hope that we'll make it back. But on the tail end of our holiday, one of our friends, who is our mechanic, actually came down. I was like, it's all good. He's going to fix it. It's going to sort it out. It's going to be awesome. Uh, but there's only so much you can fix at a campsite. And so anyway, we had a great holiday, as I said, but we were kind of a bit nervous about the drive home. And uh, we did a few things. But as we're driving, uh, he messaged Esther and said, hey, how's the car going? And we said with confidence, you know, half an hour into the drive, oh, it's going great. It's sitting halfway. It's all good. Like we're traveling. And literally within two minutes of sending that message, it just starts to creep up a little bit, creep up a little bit, creep up until uh, we, we were driving. If you've been to the Crooked Carrot, it's kind of like halfway between here and Bustleton. It's an epic playground and cafe and all that sort of stuff. We were 15 k's away from that place and we'd hit red again and we're just cruising turn the aircon off two kids in the back uh but to make matters worse uh esther actually was unwell she woke up unwell that morning and through packing and, and kind of not eating that morning because of packing and kids and all that sort of stuff it actually developed into a migraine so here's our car it's overheating it's like, it's in the red. Esther's got a migraine. We've got a baby who's still kind of breastfeeding and it's like draining Esther's energy and it's just like, it's all happening. Anyway, we're at this place. It's an, it's an incredible place, amazing playground. And uh, Esther kind of uh, is, is feeding, but she's just not feeling it. It's really unwell. And she goes to the bathroom. And so I'm here with two kids and uh, normally that's okay, but not when you're in a place kind of like Adventure World or just this amazing place. My daughter's just running from here to there, everywhere. My son's on the floor. He's chill. He's four months old. He's got his legs up. He's kicking his hands. It's all good. But my daughter's like going here, there and everywhere. And uh, kind of uh, halfway into our trip there, I noticed that there was this swarm of flies kind of hanging around Jordan, kind of around her backside area. And I'm like, oh, no. I'm like, oh, no. And uh, I investigate what the flies were also investigating and I found a bomb. It was, it was not very good. So I uh, dealt with that. And as soon as I was dealing with that, double the amount of the swarm of flies that were there before came out of nowhere. Uh, Luke was actually with us. And I was saying to Luke, how are they communicating to each other? Like, how do they know that this is going on? So literally, I'm no whatever like, a swarm of flies is just like in my face, biting my legs. I'm like changing a nappy, da, 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 da. Esther comes back from the toilet. She's like, I'm good now. I'm good. 10 seconds later, like on the side in the playground. Geordie's kind of like just kind of trying to, in her two-year-old state, trying to comfort Esther. It's not really working. I'm holding Caden. He's already ready for a feed or ready to go down. Anyway, we finally make our way out of that place, get in the car, put four litres of water into the car. It normally holds six litres of water. And so this is, this is dangerous levels, people. This is, this is not very good. And so we decided, hey... Instead of going the normal limit of 110, why don't we go to 100 and just prolong this journey even longer to try and help make sure that the car didn't overheat. It was actually going really well until we hit the classic south of the river traffic right near Coburn and then the car started overheating again. Caden woke up, time for a feed. We pull, it's, this is getting good, it's all good. We, we're on a journey here. We arrive in Coburn and Esther's not getting better. She's actually getting worse. 
And uh, we're like, look, to be honest, there's a St. John Urgent Care here. Why don't you check into St. John Urgent Care, get on a drip, get some good stuff into you, and uh, we'll, we'll go from there. So again, me, don't worry about Esther, but me, I'm like, I've got two kids again. The car is fully packed, so I can't get things that I need. The pram is like deep inside our car. So here's me walking around the shops, holding Caden and trying to manage Jordan. You know those, those chairs, the trolleys that have the one seat for the little newborn and the one seat for the, there's where is hen seat, the little seat for a toddler. But we used to live down this way and I was like, I know Coles here has this trolley. I know without a doubt. Walk all the way to Coles, they don't have the trolley. I'm like, oh my goodness. Walk all the way back around because of course Woolies is on the opposite side of the shopping center. Get there, finally get that thing. We've got some Guzman. It's all good. Jordan saw a water play area. She's fully clothed. And I was like, you know what? Just go for your life. <laughs> go for your life. We're still camping. We're still camping. And uh, here we are. It's now, we left at 10 a.m. It's now six o'clock. We're still in Coburn, and, uh, but Esther's now well, and she comes out, and we're like, cool, let's get some food for Esther, and then we'll get on our way. Leaving around quarter past six, and we start driving, and uh, now it's time to be sympathetic for me. Because, because of the stress of the day and everything, I then developed a splitting headache on the way home, and like literally no Nurofen, no Panadol could shake this thing. We're driving on the way, <laughs> thank you, look, <laughs> we're driving, we're driving on the way home, we get home, seven o'clock, and I'm like, I don't want to unpack the car, and then I remembered I live in Balga, so I'm going to unpack my car, <laughs> so I unpack my car, we get inside, and uh, it's, it's bedtime for all of these kids, and Jordan, because of the bomb that happened early in that day, it's not a night you can escape a bath, it's, it's definitely a bath night, the hot water's not working when we get home. And uh, anyway, um, the pilot light had gone out, but my, my hot water system's 100 years old. The buttons are seized. I can't reset the pilot light. I'm calling my plumber friend. I'm like, I'm literally, I've got pliers in my hand. I'm punching the buttons, no word of a lie, of these things, trying to do two at a time. Ignite and gas, ignite and gas. Finally got it. I walked back in. Jordan had a cold bath because we couldn't wait any longer for her, but me and Esther had a warm shower. I sit on the couch. <sighs> I sit on the couch. The internet's out. It's just like, oh my gosh, call Arnett. Deal with all of that. Anyway, we're here. We're alive. Thank you, Jesus. Esther has a cold or a sore throat. Anyway, praise God. As funny as our journey home was, it just goes to show that sometimes plans, they work out. And sometimes they just totally don't go the way that you wanted them to go. Sometimes because of lack of planning, sometimes because of unrealistic expectations. Maybe we had an unrealistic expectation with two kids of how that day was going to go. And sometimes because of unforeseen things that just get thrown at you, your plans, your dreams, your hopes that you have for, for maybe a year or maybe for a certain season of your life, they, they just kind of don't pan out the way that you wanted them to pan out. And uh, look, there's a whole other myriad of reasons why plans don't, don't work and all that sort of stuff. But this morning, I want to focus our attention on the thought, how can we seek God for his plan for our life? What, what's God wanting to say to us today? And uh, hey, it, it's a new year. I'm sure all of us are thinking and we're dreaming about new things that we're wanting to do, new ideas, all these amazing things. But the, the challenge that I want to bring to us this morning is this. Does God have a say in what our year is going to look like? Does God have a say? Does God have a voice into what he wants to say and breathe into our year 
this year. I'm sure like many people, there's plans, there's dreams, there's goals, there's New Year's resolutions that you've been trying to do for 10 years that you've picked up again and we're going to like, this is the year, 2023, it's, it's going to happen. Uh, maybe there's new opportunities that are coming your way this year, open doors. Maybe for some of you in this year, uh, there's actually some big decisions that maybe you're making now or you know kind of a few months ahead there's some life-changing decisions that you need to make or really kind of weighty decisions that you need to kind of weigh up maybe right now you're going through a season or you're sensing that transition is around the corner you're not sure why but you're just feeling that God's leading you here or God's leading you there maybe for you this year you have a resolve to not repeat the mistakes of of last year and you just like just don't want to do this I don't want to do that I want to pursue what God has for me this year this morning the truth is I don't know where you're at this morning, but what I do know is that we can't afford to make plans, set goals, and put dreams in motion without seeking the Lord. We can't do it. We, we can't afford to make our own plans and not actually invite God's voice or invite God's blessing or invite God's direction into those things. We can't afford to make those big decisions on our own. We, we, we can't afford that. We, we, we could land in a mistake. We could land somewhere where we're like, whoa, how do we end up here? And what can happen is we make these decisions and we go, God, what, what happened? And God's like, well, you never invited me into the conversation. You never invited me into this plan, never invited me into this idea. You know, you might be sensing that you're, there's a sense of transition in this year for you, whatever, whatever that is. My encouragement to you is don't do that season of transition alone. Invite God into that moment. Invite God into that season. And again, if you're trying not to mistake, make the mistakes of last year, again, don't do that on your own. Invite the blessing of God. Invite the voice of God. Invite the instruction of God into your year. Why? Why can't we afford to do life on our own? Why can't we afford to not invite God into our plans? Well, because it says this in Proverbs 19 verse 21. Many are the plans in the mind of man but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Proverbs 16 continues this thought in verse 9. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. And this last one here, I'm sure you've heard of this before. Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. There's a song that's coming to mind right now. In all, all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. It's clear from these verses, it's clear from these nuggets of wisdom that we get from the book of Proverbs that humans love to make plans. We love devising, we love dreaming, we love planning. And hey, there's nothing wrong with planning. God's actually put that on the inside of us. He's given us that ability of free will. He's given us that um, yeah, that intellectual ability, that heart desire to want to plan and dream and do many amazing things. But the question, the big question that we need to ask ourselves is God in those plans? Is God in those goals that you're wanting to set this year? Is God in that dream? Is God in that career that, that you're wanting to chase? Has God said, yeah, go for that. that that's, that's what I've got for you. Many are the plans of man, but it is God that establishes his steps. And so this morning, I want you to think for a moment, moment for the things that you've thought about for this year that you've planned out, or maybe the things that you're already doing that you're going to continue to do in this year. And as you think about that, I want you to 
ponder these questions. For the things that you do in your routine or the, the things that you're aspiring to achieve or do this year, the many plans that you have, and they're not bad, but ask yourself this question, have you invited God into your plans, into your dreams, and into your ideas? Do you know if God's blessing is on your plans? Do you know if God's blessing is on your dreams, on your aspirations? Have you asked God what he has planned for you? Have you, have you taken a moment to pause and, and reflect and not just go off and do your own thing, but actually humble yourself and say, God, I'm actually not the Lord of my life. You're the Lord of my life. What are you saying for me this year? What are you saying, not only just for this year, what are you saying for my life? Where, where are you taking me? What are you wanting to do in my heart? What, what, what are you wanting to do in my head? What are you wanting to do in my heart that would then come out in my hands as I do what you've called me to do in the sphere of influence that I have in the community in wherever you're called to be? Have you made plans or are you walking on a path that God never intended you to walk through? Many of the plans of man, many of the plans of the desires, the dreams of man, but it's God who establishes his steps. And if we read Proverbs 3 kind of in the opposite way, if we don't acknowledge God, our paths are not going to be straight. They're probably going to be crooked and it's going to be seasons of... And, and look, this doesn't giving God your plan doesn't mean that life's going to be linear, that life's just going to be straight and perfect and all that sort of stuff. But it means that when life throws its highs and lows, God's there. Because he said, yeah, yeah I, I know you're in a valley right now, son, but that's, that's where I placed you. That's, that's where I've got you in this space. And as you're going through that, you're actually able to realize, okay, even though I'm in this place or even though I'm on this mountaintop, God's here. God's got me. He's, he's seeing me out through this season. You know, these questions might be hard to hear right now or even hard to answer, uh, but these questions and these proverbs are there to provoke us to think higher, to think deeper, and to lead us into God's wisdom. And we read about David earlier, and where we find David in that verse and in the timeline of David's journey is he's just become king. He's literally just been anointed as king, uh, and he's now taken the throne. Saul has passed away and David spent many years of Saul chasing him, trying to kill him. But finally, God's appointed one. David is on the throne. He's, he's reigning and he's ruling. And we find David, the first day of his rule, the Philistines are like, all right, here's our moment. Here's our opportunity. We're going we're gonna to take the nation of Israel. We're going to take David. We're going to go after him. We're going to siege him. And the Bible doesn't say just a cute little army went after David. It says the whole army of the Philistines went after David. And so this, this is a rough day. You know, some of you might be starting a new job this year. First day might be tough. But David, this is a rough first day in the office. The whole another nation's coming after you. What's interesting is that David doesn't just put his armor on and rally the troops and, and rally the nation of Israel. That's not his first response. His first response is, I'm going to go down to the stronghold and I'm going to inquire of the Lord. Logically, if you hear that a nation's coming after you, you put the armor on, you get the spear ready, you rally the people, let's go. We have no choice. We, we've got to go to battle. But David understands, and we, we know that David was the man that had a heart after God's own heart. And his first response was, I know that's happening, but I'm going to seek the Lord. I'm going to ask God, should we go 
or shouldn't we go into battle? In verse 19 again, so David inquired of the Lord, shall I go and attack the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hands? The Lord answered him, go, for I will surely deliver the Philistines into your hands. This story that we read here, it isn't the first or even the last time that God sought the Lord for wisdom, guidance and instruction. Seeking God and asking God for wisdom and guidance and direction wasn't just something that David did as a once-off. It was actually his lifestyle. It was how he operated. David was one of a few people in the Old Testament that he reached out to God. Most of the Old Testament is God reaching out to humanity. But David, unlike only a few people in the Old Testament, he's saying, hey, God, what are you saying? What, what do you want to say? How, how do we move? How do we navigate this? In one instance, he actually, there's a famine that goes in the land. And again, instead of just doing the practicalities of making sure we put away and that we're ready for the next season of drought, David says, God, what are you doing? Where are you in this? What do we need to do? How do we need to go about this? Uh, we see that in the Psalms countless times through David's own writings that he sought after God. So God, this is happening, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, but uh, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to honor you and you're going to speak to me. You're going to show me the way. You're going to show me a way out of this season, out of the situation. But in the books of First and Second Samuel, we see nine historical recordings of David asking God, should I do this or shouldn't I do this? And the story that we're focusing on right now is the seventh one. And it's interesting. The first six is when David wasn't king. And the seventh one that we're reading now, even though he has the throne, even though he is the king of Israel, he didn't let his pride get in the way. And even though he's king, he's ruling, he's got everything at his disposal, he still knows that his God is number one. He still knows that he needs to seek after the king of kings and the Lord of lords. In the literal verses that follow this seventh inquiry, we read the eighth inquiry, and uh, the Philistines, they come back again. And they come up after David. And again, David, instead of acting in pride, knowing we've defeated the Philistines before, we've, we've got this sorted, ah, those Philistines. It's kind of like, you know, when a team versus a team bottom of the ladder, they approach that game and say, like, ah, no, we got this. We got this. We beat them at the beginning of the season. It's now later in the season. We've got these guys. No, no, David doesn't work like that. He says, even though they're coming back up again, David sought the Lord. And he asked the same question. Should we fight or shouldn't we fight? And God says, I'm going to deliver them into your hands. And this time, God actually gives him a specific strategy as to how they're going to go about it. And it's, it's a little bit weird, to be honest. He didn't say go. He said, wait. Wait and hide in these trees. And when you hear the sound of heaven, that's when you go. Imagine that as a war strategy. I don't know if that would fly today, but uh, it worked for them. Again, as David sought the Lord, his plans were made right because he heard the voice of God. David was the greatest king, as I said before, that Israel has ever had. And it's got a lot to do with David's humility to not lean on his own understanding, but in all his ways, acknowledge God. And he made his path straight. He knew what he needed to do in really tense and heated circumstances. Interestingly, not seeking God was Saul's undoing. So we see the complete opposite in, in David and Saul. Saul's undoing was the fact that he didn't seek God, but David's success was that he did seek God. How do we know this? First Chronicles 10 says this, Saul died, 
because, of, because he was unfaithful to the Lord. He did not keep the word of the Lord. He even consulted a medium for guidance, darkness. He didn't seek light. He, he sought darkness and he did not inquire of the Lord. So the Lord put him to death and turned the kingdom over to David, son of Jesse. These are not cute words. This is not Jesus in a crib. Christmas Jesus, baby Jesus. This is God the Father. I have dominion. I have authority. And if you're not going to do things the way that I say, King, that I've anointed you to do, then move over. I've got someone else who's in line to be able to do what I've asked him to do. It's so important that we don't just rely on our own wisdom and even more so that we don't go out and ask for wisdom from things that are not of God to help guide and plan what we see in our life. Really briefly, on our launch Sunday, I shared kind of the journey of us arriving here to planting this, this church. And one of kind of the middle moments was that we, we'd left a, a church in, in a staff capacity because God had spoken to us and we were obedient to that. And Esther was still full-time uni. I was working full-time at that church. That was our income. We're kind of like, all right, God, we stepped out in obedience. What kind of happens next? And after several weeks of not even Maccas replying to me for a job offer, I'm like, God, what's going on? And previously to that, we ran a film business. And so we're like, all right, let's, let's get the film business going again. And we said, God, if, if this is what you want, green light this thing. And we're going to call it the North River Film Co. Some of you are like, oh, yeah, this story. Stop telling this story. Anyway, for everyone who's not heard this story, we were like, come on, we're going to start this business, North River Film Co. We're proud North Perthians. Let's go. This is going to be awesome. Literally, after we kind of put, you know, uh, once we crossed that line in the sand, like, we're going into this, we're going to get new cameras and all this sort of stuff. We got a call from a pastor from a church south of the river, away from the promised land of the northern suburbs, the complete opposite of what we were thinking and dreaming. And in that moment, God spoke. And we're like, okay, that's not God's plan. This is God's plan. And we're going to be obedient to that. Church, when it comes to dreams, goals, and plans, it's not a sin to do those things. But it could be a failure if you don't invite God into the conversation. Because it is man that makes his plans, but it is God that orders his steps. I want to take a quick side note here. When it comes to the plans of man and the plans of God, which one's better? Is it, is it us that plans things and God works with us? Or is it us going to God and us working in with what God's got going on? And the answer is yes and yes. There's actually, there's actually a, a unique paradox that we need to lean into. There's a tension point. If we read the story of Moses, how God hardened the heart of Pharaoh, that was a sovereign move of God. God hardening the heart of Pharaoh. But in that same story and in that same sentence, there's a specific moment where the Bible says that Pharaoh hardened his heart. And it wasn't God that did it, it was Pharaoh that did it. And so man 100% makes his plans, but God also has a plan as well. Another story to kind of illustrate this point is that in the book of Acts, when Paul was on the boat and the storms come, he hears from God, an angel actually comes, and he hears from God and says, no one is going to die on this boat if they remain on the boat. And so Paul tells everyone, hey, remain on the boat. We're going to be all good. But a few of the other people who don't believe in God were like, no, no, we're getting off this thing. And Paul lets them know. So God revealed the plan, but man wanted to go his own way. 
And so is God's plan the best plan? Yes. Is the plan that we have, that we hear from God, also the best plan? Yes. It's, it's, this, it's this paradox. It's this, it's, this, it's this tension point that we get to lean into because why would we exist and why would we have plans and ideas only to only ever just be trumped by what God has for us? And it's this journey of working out, okay, I have this plan, dream and desire because God's given me free will. But what's God got for me? What's God saying to me? What's God wanting to reveal in my life? It would be a sad existence if we were just robots, if we weren't able to devise our own dreams and devise our own plans. But it would also be a sadder existence if we didn't lean into the best that God has for us as well. So if it's super important that we don't just plan by ourselves, but that we plan with God, how do we do that? And to finish off, got a few really quick practicals on how we can do that. One of the things that we need to know and understand is that we need to have a revelation that God knows best. If we want to live out the plans that God has for us, we've actually got to remove this idea that we have the best plans and begin to realize that God knows best. He's all-knowing. He's all, he's all uh, amazing, all-powerful. Isaiah 55 illustrates this point. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither your ways are my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And so the starting point of acknowledging that we need to bring God into our plan, is the starting point of that is realizing that our plans aren't the best but that God actually knows best for us. And to arrive here at this place, it actually takes humility, which leads me to my second point. God leads humble people. The Bible says that God literally opposes the proud, but he gives grace, favor, and blessing to the humble. Those who are open to hear his voice, those who are open to obey obey him in obedience. Psalm 25 verse 9 says this, He leads the humble in what is right, and teaches the humble his way. And so it's this idea that it is humility that reveals God's plan for us. It's not us just devising our own thing, but it's humility and saying, God, what, what are you saying? What are you speaking? What are you sensing for my year this year? Lead me in that space. Lead me in that way. And so how do we begin to understand humility? How do we begin to understand God's best for us? Number three we need to understand that the way that we understand God's plan is that God's word is what guides us. God's word guides you. Psalm 119 verse 105 says this, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light to my path. You know, sometimes there are going to be seasons and moments in God. We're going to hear a prophetic word. It's going to be like, yes, thank you, Jesus. I needed that to do what you've called me to do. Or you're going to get this sense in your heart a sense of unrest or a sense of a lack of peace. It's like, okay, don't, don't go this way, go that way. There's going to be ebbs and flows, and, and that's how the Holy Spirit works. But what can be assured, one thing that you can know and learn every day and learn how to know what God has for you is reading His Word. God has revealed to us Himself through His Word. And sometimes some of us are waiting for us to have a merry moment where an angel appears to us and reveals everything to us. But in reality, everything has already been revealed to us in his word. And we're not in that season now where we don't have the word. We have the word. And everything that we ever need is in the word. And so if you want to know the plans that God has for you, if you want to know God's heart for you, don't wait 
for that moment, diligently, daily, get to know God and his heart through the reading of the word. The next thing is this. Number four, God's spirit of truth will guide you. I love this. God hasn't left us to our own devices on, or by ourselves. He's actually deposited in us the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, as Jesus describes here in John 16. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. And so it's this idea that if we want to hear, we want to sense the plan that God has for us, we understand, okay, I get it. That's really important. I need to hear the voice of God. How do I do that? First, we need to understand that God knows best. Then we need to realize that humility is the way through to hearing the voice of God. And then it's this journey of going, okay, but to learn about God, I need to read his word, but also to make sure that we have truth. We need to listen and discern the voice of the Holy Spirit. Because there will be times and seasons, if you want to lean into it, where the Holy Spirit will say, do this, do that, lean into this. And you might be like, whoa, this is way out of my comfort zone. Can I encourage you, if you're feeling that prompting, lean in. Because once you take one step, you're not going to take a step backward. You're just going to keep growing and growing. And God's not going to ask you to do step 100 at step one. He's just going to ask you to do step one, step two, step three, step four, step five. And before you know it, you'll be doing amazing things in the community for God and for the extension of the kingdom of God. How do you discern if you're hearing right? If, if hearing God is so crucial to knowing God's plans for our lives, how do we know that we're hearing right? Well, the way that we know that is that God's ways lead to life. God's ways lead to life. Proverbs 16, 25 says this, There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. The writer of Proverbs is Solomon, and it's actually David's son. And he was actually granted great wisdom from God. Uh, sometimes he did really well. Sometimes he actually did terribly. But he had wisdom from God, and he wrote these gold nuggets of truths in Proverbs from a point of observation as he looked at his own life and as he looked how others lived their life. And one of these conclusions that he came to is that, again, there is a way that appears right to man, and in the moment, it feels good. In the moment, it seems right. But sometimes those moments just lead to death. They don't lead to things of life. What is it? Uh, and so this discerning thing is how do I know if I'm hearing the voice of God right? How do I know whether I take this opportunity? How do I know whether I should do this or do that? Well, the question you should ask yourself is, is this going to lead me to life? Or is it going to lead me to death? In other words, is it going to lead me to health? Or is it going to lead me to destruction? Is it going to lead me to growth in the things of God? Or is it going to lead me into a decline of the things of God in my life? Is it going to lead me to righteousness or is it going to lead me to sin? These are real key and really quite basic things that we can apply into our life that we can learn how to discern the voice of God so we can apply those things in our plans as we go about our year this year. John 10.10 says this, A thief comes to only steal, kill and destroy this is the devil's job description right here. Steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Christ's heart for you is not to zap you with a lightning bolt. His heart for you is that you would live life and live life to the full in his goodness, in his mercy, and in his grace. And lastly this morning, how do we hear the voice of God 
to make sure that we're stepping into the plans that God has for us. Number six, God speaks to those who seek him. And again, it might sound so simple, but sometimes the most simple things in God are the most profound and often the things sometimes we most neglect. And in pride, we go, I don't need to hear God. I don't need to seek God. But Psalm 25, a, a psalm written by David says this, Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are my God, you are my God, you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. I love that declaration of David's heart. He knows and he understands that even though he has all authority in that moment on earth, everything at his disposal, armies, servants, king of the world at that moment in history, he still knows that his most important thing is to have that number one relationship with the Father and to not neglect the voice of God, but to seek after God to hear, should I do this or shouldn't I do that? This year, church, I want to challenge you. Don't go into this year lightly. God wants to do something in your life. He always wants to do something in your life. But there is this great sense as a year turns over into another, the sense of a new chapter as we take time off, time to relax and pause. There's space in our hearts and in our minds to reflect and pause and think, am I doing what God's called me to do? Are the things that I'm pursuing with my energy, time, finances, emotions, are they really what God wants for my life? And this message isn't just something that you want to hear right now in this moment. My prayer for you would be that you would take this away and take five minutes this evening, pause and reflect and go, what's God got for my life this year? What's God wanting to say? Not, not just my plans, not just my dreams, and those things aren't bad, but God, what do you want to say? What do you want to speak into my life this year? I know that for me, when I've actually forgone my plans and said, God, just, you just tell me. I've been on this amazing roller coaster of following the voice of God and it's landed me to where we are here today and I'm now able to speak to you and journey with you in life. And there would have been many moments where I could have gone my own way, but there were times where God was like, no, 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 arrested my heart. No, no, stay here. Stay this path. I want to make your path straight. Stay here. Don't, don't go to the left. Don't go to the right. Acknowledge me in all your ways and I will make your path straight.